Having car problems? Well, with Rhoda, getting them fixed is as easy as ordering takeout. They'll come pick up your car for free, do any repair or maintenance needed, and return it right to your driveway. They'll even give you a complimentary video inspection of your car so you can see what needs to be done. Perfect for those of us that maybe aren't so car savvy. Book your appointment online at roda.com. And lucky for you, CityCast listeners get a 20% discount on any service for up to $100 off. Just use the code CityCast20. Today on CityCast DC, we are doing forensics on the shocking announcement that the Wizards and the Capitals are leaving DC for Virginia. And we're looking at what the local political fallout in DC is likely to be. Plus, it's the end for DC's least beloved old hotel. It's a move that also tells a story of DC's troubled downtown. Axios's Junaid Deal and CityCast's Julia Karen are here with me. Today is Friday, December 15th. I'm Michael Schaefer, and here's what DC is talking about. Hey, Julia. Hey, Mike. Hey, Janet. Hey. So you did some reporting about kind of how this deal came together. It's really the, the news that came sort of as a shock is, is really reverberating around D.C., that the Capitals and the Wizards are moving from Gallery Place, where they've been for 25 years in an arena that kind of revitalized the neighborhood. They're moving to Virginia. We talked yesterday about kind of what the, what the draw was, how this is likely to change downtown and Northern Virginia. And now, of course, we're getting into recrimination season, and it wouldn't be D.C. without some self-loathing of what we did wrong. Your reporting also suggests that there were just some things going right for Virginia in terms of they have a lot of land to offer, Leonsis, that, that no city anywhere could offer. Yeah, this whole earthquake seemed to be very sudden, but turns out Governor Youngkin, as you said yesterday, this was an idea that he and Leonsis two pals in the Northern Virginia business world, chewed over about several years ago, this idea for an entertainment and sports mecca. And, and now they have announced it, but it took about a year of sort of these secret negotiations with Virginia to relocate the teams across the Potomac. And the deal-making behind the scenes really accelerated, I'm told, over the summer. And they kept it pretty secret. There were some leaks. The Post wrote a little bit about it. But what was not really known was the extent to which Leonces was serious about going to Virginia. The mayor sort of believed privately that, oh, Ted's not going to go to Virginia. That's not actually going to happen. They're just trying to bargain here. But this was, from what I can tell, what I reported, a one-year-long effort that slowly began. It really picked up in the spring and summer. and. The offer was something D.C. couldn't match. I mean, this is 70 acres. D.C. could throw hundreds of millions an hour, however much amount of money they could give, but they could not, you know, offer this at that site. And D.C. people are kind of puzzled. Some of the people inside the deal-making in D.C. were thinking Leonces just wanted the money and that they were going to give him the money. And turns out, well, he had this big mini-city deal being offered by Virginia. So there's finger pointing in DC. The mayor says 
they did everything they could. City Paper had a great quote from Jack Evans, who said, quote, the city administration is at fault here. They were aware of all of this, he says. Again, there were rumors that Virginia was being considered, and this is now some of the finger pointing that they should have taken those rumors more seriously. So Jack Evans is a former DC council member, and he's kind of the most enthusiastic DC political figure about like the big deal, whatever yep. the big deal is, to build a big thing. So this is like a particularly gut punch to his way of looking at the world. Yeah. Jack Evans, if you ever sit down with him, he'll tell you all about how you built the convention center and all that. This is a big wig, and he's sort of never really spoken out against the mayor here. And this is where the finger pointing is really coming out of people like Jack and people like in the business community who are scratching their heads kind of. But if you ask me, they're all at fault. They're all at fault for not making more noise when it mattered. And now it's easy to Monday morning quarterback this. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I watched some of Mayor Browser's press conference on Wednesday, which you were at, Junaid, and she looked like kind of stunned a little bit. You were there. Can you take us through what happened at this presser and what she had to say? The mayor looked like she was walking into a funeral. That press conference was pretty terrible. <laughs> you had the former mayor, Tony Williams, there too, who didn't speak much. And she tried to sound like the deal was still alive, that Leonsis could turn around minutes after hugging Youngkin, essentially, at Potomac Yard and come back to D.C. But this was fantasy land. I mean, the mayor was <laughs> trying to do damage control, essentially. And what's going to happen is there's a gaping hole now, possibly in Chinatown. Okay, Monumental want to have concerts there. They want to have the Mystics and other events, which is all fine and great. But everyone knows it will be a huge gaping loss in Chinatown. And this is an arena that, you know, was credited with revitalizing it. Yeah. I mean, you know, Marion Barry was still mayor when it opened. It was the very end of his term in a area that had been just kind of nothing going on at night and uh, not a lot of reason unless you had an office down there uh, to to be there. Julia, you still call it the MCI Center, which was its its name, yes? The original, the founding name. Yeah, I mean, my the reason I, I started playing hockey was my dad took me to a game at the then MCI Center and I pointed at the ice and I was like, I want to do that. And like, I signed up for hockey because I saw the caps at what used to be called the phone booth and then was Verizon Center, now Capital One Arena. But yeah, I mean, it is kind of wild to see that place as an institution look like it's not necessarily just going to like evaporate, but be empty most nights. Like I'm so used to having people crowding down there and going to something, anything. I, I remember getting a invite round about the time it opened to the opening of a restaurant down there. And I thought, is this a misprint? Like, why would anybody, you know, like open a fancy re restaurant in that neighborhood? So it's, it's, it is, it's, you know, for, for old people, quite shocking because there was a sense that like this part of town had been fixed. It was a key part of the this, this city's comeback. And now it's all of a sudden a big question mark again, right at the same time as downtown DC in general is struggling. Most government workers are, are often not at work. This is, you know, all the other businesses in that building with the arena closed. So this is a really precarious moment for, you know, this, I think particularly resonant with people who remember kind of the, the quote unquote bad old days.
When was the last time you went to the theater? Well, we have a new show for you to check out. The Gala Theater in Columbia Heights is showing the political musical comedy Museum in the Closet, Avida's Return, which follows Argentine icon Eva Perón to the afterlife as her preserved corpse ignites political scandals, clandestine affairs, and mysterious murders. The show is full of samba, reggae, and tango that will have you tapping your feet nonstop. The show is in Spanish with English surtitles and will run from May 9th through June 9th. Get your tickets now at galatheater.org or call 202-234-7174. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. So let's break down the, the politics here, uh, because there's a lot of finger pointing in D.C. And Junaid, you've you have already sort of uh, said it's everyone's fault. But but I would like to go through some of the cases against different folks who allegedly are responsible for this, starting with the the mayor and the executive branch. I understand Ted Leonsis, is the owner of the Washington Capitals and Wizards and, and Monumental, his company, that he has complained bitterly the last few years about sort of crime and just sort of general quality of life stuff around Chinatown, drug use, stuff that makes people from the suburbs not feel as happy coming downtown. I can attest that that's, I mean, I never felt unsafe there, but it's not necessarily nice to be hanging around. Right. And that that their one thing they had to do was keep this place safe and tidy for visitors and they failed. What do you think of that? Yeah. Leon says personally was unhappy with that neighborhood. And, you know, when the mayor was sort of asked, what can you do about the crime? Can you put more police? She would say things like we have to balance policing in neighborhoods where there's more actual crime. Now, of course, Chinatown crime has shot up in the past two years. And for Leonsis, all these issues compounded. He's sitting in his office in Capital One Arena. First, he was upset. People were playing music outside, you know, metro station buskers. Then he's upset about this drug dealing or marijuana dealing by the metro, apparently. Then he's upset the crime's going up. And by the way, Mayor Bowser, who they never really got along, she's not really, you know, bringing the full force of MPD to bear, I guess, is what he wanted. So when all this is happening and he's, he's feeling less loved by the city government, he's finding a friend in Glenn Youngkin and they were able to find something, I guess, that they couldn't do anywhere else, which is just build this mini city. And it's like a semi-private mini city, yeah. so they don't have to worry about pesky citizens exercising their rights to sing loudly and unpleasantly. Or smoke weed. Exactly. As we were reminded yesterday when protesters showed up, when security drew the whole gate and shut it and said, uh, this is private property, actually, you don't have a right to be here. Right. So then going back to the forensics for a minute and the finger pointing. People in the council have said, hey, you know, this is the mayor who was elected with the tremendous support of the business and real estate worlds. And they spend a lot of energy on economic development. How could this have been going on and they didn't know? Isn't it their job to know? 
Yeah, it's so cloak and dagger, the whole thing. I think they're super ineffective is the answer. <laughs> so let me let, let me ask you the, the, the awkward question then. The big scandal of the first half of the year for the mayor was that her right-hand man, economic development chief and chief of staff, John Felcicchio, was forced out, resigned abruptly, allegations of sexual misconduct. He was supposed to be good at his job. If that hadn't happened, if he hadn't done the stuff he did or was accused of doing, do you think uh, there would be a different result here? I mean, this is all prognostication. Yeah, possibly. I mean, having a right-hand man would have helped uh, for sure. But DC should have, if they really were serious, to put a deal on the table a year ago. That's that's what a lot of people are saying privately. You know, Falchicu, I guess, was out by March, but this this issue with Capital One Arena and the crime issue really was known for more than a year. I mean, it is a scandal almost in and of itself that he hasn't really been replaced by someone who could have seen this coming and would have done something to stop it, basically. I feel like... Uh there's all it's, it's all sort of kind of this failure of imagination. Yeah. That like we thought, I thought, oh, they'll never leave the city. They've, they've, all the teams are coming back to cities. That's where you want to be. And in fact, the trend in sports ownership is, as you wrote today, that that they're making these as kind of like real estate plays more than sports plays, which is you control a whole slew of territory. I was I'm told that Ted Leonsis, who's obviously very wealthy, but maybe not as wealthy as some sports owners, resented or didn't like that the other owners in the kind of new mode of stadiums also control like a hotel or an entertainment space and have all these other revenue streams beyond the team, which is what he's going to get over there. So I think people in the city, including me, couldn't imagine that somebody would want this other thing, even though that's actually when what's been happening in a bunch of other markets. And there's also this failure of imagination that like people thought, well, like DC's downtown's back, everything's good. We're not in the eighties and nineties anymore. And couldn't imagine that People might not see it that way in the face of like, you know, rising crime and stuff. Yeah. And I'm I'll gonna name some names. You know, council member Kenyon McDuffie is sort of supposed to be the business person lead on the council. Where was he on this? Why was he holding hearings on this? You know, council chairman Phil Mendelson, who has called himself a nitpicker proudly as someone who loves the process and the details. Where is his vision for the future of downtown in DC? Why wasn't he more upfront about this? Also, where was he on the stage with with Muriel Bowser at this press conference? That's a great point. You know, someone asked that, and I think Tom Sherwood asked that, and his spokeswoman ran down in the Wilson building and told us afterward that he was at a pre-planned meeting by the Council of Governments. But whatever, you know, as this earthquake's happening in DC. But where's the vision for the future of DC when you have these council members who are apparently just content to sit back as two sports franchises leave suddenly. Oh, I think, I mean, look, if, if there's a piece of terrible news and the mayor is going to take the mic, uh, I want to stay far away from that, right? And not, not catch any of the blame myself if I'm a usual butt-covering elected official. Yeah, that's, yeah, I think you got it there. But yeah. listen, you know, you cover the mayor pretty closely, you cover the administration pretty closely. Uh, one of the things that uh, I uh, worry about is that, you know, she is now thinking legacy. This would be a pretty rotten piece of her legacy. Is this going to cause her to turn even harder towards what I think is actually, unlike having a basketball hockey arena, is, uh, is actually a bad sports idea, which is building a, a football stadium? I can imagine that that DC will think like we've got to do this in order to keep our reputation up. And 
that's going to be a very expensive fight with a lot of opportunity costs because you could build a lot of other stuff besides the sports stadium. Do you feel like these two things are going to be linked, at least in, in people's minds? Well, they definitely got to get the commanders now, I guess. I mean, the this is almost a bigger loss than football, though, for D.C. because it's, what, 80-plus games a year versus way less for a football stadium. I mean, I, the conventional wisdom, again, is RFK is the best spot, but I, I don't believe that's a given. I think exactly like we talked about, having this mini city is the model for a lot of sports franchises, and it might even be more so for a football stadium where you have the example of the Patriots stadium and whatever. So I think the commanders might be looking, are looking at all options and might be looking at Virginia too. Yeah. So in terms of like the long-term impact on, on Bowser's legacy, does this stick with her in like a harmful way? Like, could she lose a reelection bid over this, you think? Well, she's going to want to have to run again for a fourth term. And this was her first year in her third term. The problem for DC during Bowser's three terms now, I think, has been DC either had to get schools really right, so they were as good or as uh, better than the suburbs, which they've improved, but not to that extent, or they have to have this sort of very uh, friendly economy that keeps things humming, that keeps the culture and the magic of the city and, and, and persuades people to move in, even if crime isn't great and even if the schools aren't perfect. They, she has to do one or the other, and I think she's going to go... She's already doubled down on commanders, but I think she does have to give voters something if she wants to run for a fourth term and schools aren't going to improve overnight. So juicing development and building out RFK, well, that could be a plan she wants to go even more gung-ho about now. Well, I think for Josh Harris has to be delighted with this news because if, if, if he is looking for help building a stadium, this, uh, I think, is a new piece of leverage he has. Oh, yeah. That's, you know, 3x that 500000000 million. I mean, I'm sure he's thinking about all sorts of money. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Speaking of things leaving downtown, <laughs> uh, one that people probably won't miss or might not even have any personal sentimental associations with. It's a couple blocks away from the arena, the Harrington Hotel, which is this kind of old pile. See a lot of uh, misinformed looking tourists outside because <laughs> uh, it's a lot cheaper than most downtown hotels. It's got a, a kind of greasy spoon diner type restaurant in it and a bar that became very popular with the Proud Boys and other right wingers who I think couldn't afford to drink at the Trump Hotel during the Trump years. But there's like a, I feel at least in talking to folks, there's a, a kind of weirdly nostalgic reaction to its closing. Julia, you've been reading up on this. Yeah. So this is a hotel that was built in 1914. As you mentioned, like the primo location, like near the White House, near the mall was like the big draw of the thing. The rooms were kind of like 
as you mentioned, inexpensive, but like pretty dingy. Uh, and man, I'm more upset about Ollie's trolley, the the burger and greasy spoon joint. RIP, man. Um, I don't know. Like to me, the Harrington, it had this like sign out the side of it, and it looked like a bat wing signal. <laughs> uh, and and when my dad worked downtown, like we would go from uh, the phone booth, <laughs> right to near the Hotel Harrington. And we'd be like, oh, like we know where we are because we can see like the bat wing for the Hotel Harrington. Yeah, the thing is, it's like a good looking building in the sense that they the buildings built in 1914, those the, the sort of low rise skyscrapers were tended to be good looking in a way that a lot of stuff in downtown DC that came up in the post World War II years mm-hmm. is not. So, you know, it's sort of nice to walk by. What's going to go there? I don't know. Could Ted get his uh, hotel empire downtown, hypothetically, and just buy the Hotel Harrington? I was talking to a, a guy who works, you know, sort of politics, real estate adjacent. And he was saying, like, if they really want to, if they really want to woo Ted for like a, a multi-revenue stream thing, they could give him the Harrington. There you go. Bowser, get on it, girl. Let's go. As a DC native, I, I never even ventured. I, I think I went to all these ones, but I will say it, it's sort of that greasy spoon you 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 don't see many of. And it, as a reporter, I've definitely gone there with some sources and you could get cheap lunch and feel like you're in a proper downtown, maybe in Philly or New York or something. It also is like kind of a last vestige of the sort of, I don't know, rafish downtown of in a pre-1990s mm. uh, DC. And, you know, that we all thought was like uh, consigned to the past. Um, you know, Ollie's trolley, there, there had been a place opposite Ford's Theater, another Greasy Spoon. There was just like, that. you know, there were places like that around downtown Washington in a way that there aren't now. So, you know, if people nostalgize this sort of greasier era of downtown, on the other hand, from what we're hearing about Gallery Place, maybe that era is coming back. Yeah, and, I was gonna say. and we're suddenly not so nostalgic about it. Yeah, let's see if rents go down. All right, uh, Julia, this has been a bit of a downer of an episode, <laughs> but you uh, were very excited this morning about a piece of happy news. What's the story? Listen, I needed a serotonin hit. I think a lot of us did. And this week, we found out that Roofers Union, you know, the, the really popular bar and Adams Morgan, Marjorie Meek Bradley's joint, it is making a surprise comeback. There was a ton of shock and sadness when it, was announced that it was going to close earlier this year. I was one of the people who was mourning its loss, but now it's going to reopen in 2024. Uh, so that is a big plus. Also, we got news uh, that Looking Glass Lounge in Petworth, the reaction to it on social was basically as if people had found out that Tupac was actually alive. <laughs> so it's hilarious and fun and great, and we will link it all in our show notes for you. Uh, if Tupac was actually alive, maybe he could resurrect uh, the phone booth and keep the Capitals and Wizards downtown. Oh, uh, or at least you could watch one of the Virginia-based games uh, from there. Not that, not that a lot of people are <laughs> eager to do that right now because the Wizards' current record is three and twenty. Uh, it's not not great times uh, for that team, no matter where they're playing. That's true. Julia, awesome to be with you. Thanks, Mike. And Junaid, come back soon. It's always good to hear from you. You are really one of the best sourced reporters in DC. Hey, thanks. Good to talk to you. And that is all for today here on CityCast DC. Our executive producer is Priyanka Tilve. Our producer is Julia Karen. Our newsletter writer is Kayla Cote-Stemmerman. Our production assistant is Susanna Brown. And our hosts are Bridget Todd and me, Michael Schaefer from Politico. Music is by Alex Roldan. 
If you enjoyed the show, well, tell Mayor Bowser's office. We won't leave. We want to hear what solutions she's planning for downtown. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Bye.